How's it going, guys and geeks? Welcome to Not the Geek Critique Show, Project Geekology, episode 14. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and keep that in because, you know, a little bit of uh, flubs here and there uh, are kind of like seasoning to a podcast. So, uh, yeah, we're not Geek Critique, but I'm so used to saying welcome to Geek Critique uh, that it's, it's second nature for me to start recordings that way but anyway welcome to project geekology the show where we uh, just take a deep dive into whatever topic we're going over throughout the week and this one is something that is super close to my heart i heart uh kingdom hearts is my favorite game of all time it's i'm not saying i'm 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 definitely not suggesting it's the best game of all time because it's not but when i think of uh the most fun or the most immersed I've ever felt in a video game. It really starts there. But before we get any further, I'm one half of your host, Dakota, and I'm joined with Anthony. And uh, man, right now I'm on Destiny Island. I'm hoping to build a raft. You know, I want to uh, float away from this island to the great city of Project Ecology. Okay. So are you the Riku or are you the Sora in the story? Are you the one giving Kairi the Papu fruit or not? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts, the first game in the series. Uh, We're not going to be talking about the series as a whole, although we probably will touch upon some of its sequels in passing. Uh, But we want to give an overview of uh, what the game's about, how it was revolutionary for the time that it was developed in, and how strange of a game it is, too, because it is a kind of a one-of-a-kind sort of thing. You you do have games that have crossover-type deals, but this one uh, is something that I don't think you could get away with uh, today. You know, I think it hit at like the perfect time in, I guess, the history of video games where two incredibly uh, important IPs were, or I should say more than two, but, you know, two companies were came together to work in harmony with, uh, with each other for this one series. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but... As always, before we begin, Anthony, what have you been up to this past week? To start off, I would like to apologize to our listeners. I know that our episodes have kind of been infrequent of late. Things have been a little bit crazy. I mean, the the holiday season really just gets crazy. I, I work in retail, so it just gets busier and busier as the holidays get closer so it's been a little bit harder for us to set up recording times but that should be able to normalize a little bit when the new year comes but yeah man i've been busy i know you've been busy also i've actually been watching through the show that was on amc called comic book men oh the the one about uh, you know kevin smith and his comic book shop and his buddies and their antics and it's pretty cool because there's stuff that I learned from that, and it's also pretty funny to watch. It's it's always funny to watch a bunch of geeks geeking over things that they love and, you know, cracking jokes at each other. Yeah, and at, at each great. other's expense as well. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, no, nothing too crazy. I'm tempted to take the risk 
I, I love The Witcher 3 so much that I'm tempted to take the risk to try Cyberpunk. <laughs> See, Maybe wait. I've, I've been gaming for so long that, I don't know, like, I've played through games with bugs, like Red Dead Redemption. Like, I mean, there's some crazy bugs in that game. Fallout always has crazy bugs in them. There are some reviews out there that's, that's saying that while it's bad, some of it might not be as bad. Like, I mean, some people are getting it like bad, like the base model PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, but I have the, I have the Xbox One S, so I'm not sure how, or how, how well it would run for me. But I mean, yeah, I might, I may wait, but I know down the line, I wanna, I might wanna, jump into that world how about you what have you been up to i mean like i said i know you've been busy but you know uh talk a little bit more about you know what's been going on on your end sure uh i mean i've been doing a little bit of uh watching tv watching movies what uh, reading actually i haven't been re- doing too much actual physical reading of literature as in uh novels but i've been reading some uh, manga and comic books recently. Uh, I finished volume four of My Hero Academia, uh, the manga. That's That was really fun. I think actually further than I ever got in the anime. Um, and I'm out of manga now, so I have to go to the store and grab some when I get the opportunity. <laughs> um, and I started the second um, collection of Avatar books. Avatar The Last Airbender, for those of you who don't know, uh, ends after the third season, but the story and the characters continue after the fact. And Aang lives, uh, I think, a long life of, or not a very long life, but I think he lives into his 70s. Um, so there are many stories that happen after the fact, and they're kind of shepherded into the canon by the creators of the original series. And what I find so awesome about that is. The, how seamless it is, you know, going into like the graphic novels that they created, and each of the graphic novel series that they created it come in three parts, and uh, eventually they get collected into like a hardcover uh, copy. So I've I've been collecting those hardcover collections at this point, and I think I have like five Avatar: The Last Airbender graphic novels that I have to go through, uh, and I'm on the second one. It's called The Search, and it's uh, in search of uh, Zuko's mother. And I don't think that's a spoiler for people who haven't seen the show. I, I can't wait to like get into that a little bit more and figure out what happened to Zuko's mother. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited about reading more of that. Um, Anthony, we should talk a little bit about cyberpunk. Um, we, we should explain a little bit about what the problems are for people who aren't in the world of uh, gaming or have been following the news regarding that. You know, it was supposed to be a huge title launch. Um, at the end of this year and it's one of those games that's been postponed uh, year in and year out and like this past year saw three or four different postponements they just weren't ready to release the game they kept saying oh we'll definitely have it by this date and they kept pushing it back and I think um, it's it's sad because a lot of people were looking forward to this game CD Projekt Red is the the creator who uh, produced games like The Witcher and The Witcher 3 Um, And this was supposed to be a massive, massive game that just is being bombarded with bad reviews. I mean, some of it is deserved because it's unplayable on base models of PS4 and Xbox One. Um, And that's 
that's a little frustrating, you know, because I, I was excited to like potentially if, if the reviews were good, I was going to get it. I have a, I have a base, uh, a base PS4 looking at the graphic quality on the PS4. It's unplayable. The glitches just become absurd. Some of the uh, character uh, graphics in the game revert to PS1, PS2 type character models. It's it's like the texture is just totally forgotten in the base model for PS4. It's almost like it, well, it, it literally is the fact that it, it just can't read it. There's so much going on in the game that it can't read what's going on on, you know, the, the previous generation's console. And most people have that console. Most people don't have the PS4 Pro. Most people don't have the Xbox One uh, 4K edition. Right, or the new console. Or the new console, yeah. Wait, which trying to get which the they were... The thing about CD Projekt Red, they really like bit the bullet on this was because they really geared it more towards PC and the newer consoles. Oh, absolutely. And they kind of forsook the older systems, you know, like this last generation, which was... A terrible idea because if you're going to release a new game around a console launch you're gonna want to make it very friendly for the previous generation because I mean we knew that this uh, that we knew that this new console release was gonna be the units available were gonna be even less than normal but still it's usually pretty hard to find a newer console when they release so you're going to want to make sure that your game can run on the older consoles, you know, just like Miles Morales runs on, you know, PS4 and Assassin's Creed Valhalla runs on the older consoles as well as the newer consoles. And, you know, the, the biggest difference is that, you know, on the newer consoles, it's running at 60 frames, you know, whereas in the older consoles, it's more along the lines of 30 frames per second. And so it looks a lot smoother, but you know, that, that was their biggest problem. But also, you know, with that being said is that there's still people playing this on PC and are having issues. Also the best, pl the best version of the game is still having issues. And it's funny because I have actually seen some of the screenshots for some of the graphics and i call it potato punk 2077 <laughs> okay <laughs> because i mean like these characters like the person's face looked like a potato like it just <laughs> looked like slender man i've um, seen the funniest glitches in this game <laughs> dude i've seen but i've been looking for it you know some of our listeners may not have like actually been looking at some of the glitches i've seen some hilarious glitches um, and some some of the funniest posts I've ever seen on Twitter I've seen uh, like there was one where it was like I don't have any way to prove this but I just uh, shot this NPC with a non-lethal round and as he fell onto the floor he turned into this patio set <laughs> and apparently <laughs> and it's just a picture of a patio set in this bar but it's it's it, other people have like in the comments oh were saying I actually believe this because I've seen random items like transmorph into other items like apparently there's like a lot of people who've like seen characters instead of smoking cigarettes smoking guns <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> or or like people shooting guns that are like not there they're like invisible their hands are empty oh yeah that, like I, I mean I've come across that glitch it, you know in other games 
but it's still really funny when it happens. Yeah, I know. And that, you know, <laughs> I guess the problem is it's happening to everyone. You know, uh, right, right. One of the 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 funniest things I saw was um, someone was just doing. They, they were riding in their, I think, motorcycle or whatever, and they they fell off it, and then there was like some traffic jam where several cars. Like the models of the cars had like morphed into each other, and then they kind of like <laughs> separated. But they kind of, in so doing, they flipped and like caused a glitch in the game. And some some guy came out of the the side of the car and just like levitated there and said, "Hola!" And then his head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh my gosh! Like I could see how like frustrating it is because you're trying to play this game. You know, a lot of people are trying to play this game in the way that it's supposed to be played, but all this crazy stuff happens. But some, but like, I could see if I was a like a QA tester playing this game, like you know, months ago, figuring out all the bugs, and if I saw that, I would die laughing. I'd be like, "All right, we got a bug here, but this thing is hilarious." You know, they they really shouldn't have. I they might have just bit off more than they could chew and they you know promised it at a time and when it was that when it wasn't ready and then I think it just I think it got to a point I don't even know if more time would have helped it I I just think that they had so much going on that it would have just I think that they it it required more than just bug fixes i think it required so much it requires so much more to fix what's going on like they have to like get deeper in there than just bugs like it's more than just bugs right. it's just it's performance you know yeah. so, so um on top of that i and and speaking about that i think this is going to be uh i don't know if this is going to be like a weird opinion to have but i feel like this is going to kind of set the precedent for open world games on next generation systems because the, this is, you know, uh, a company at the top of the industry. They're, they've done uh, open world games like this before, but this is on the next level and they're trying to outdo themselves. But in so doing, they're creating way more problems than they ever bargained for. And I'm worried that the future of open world games is kind of like shot in the foot because just because you can do bigger and better doesn't make the game bigger or better. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that they fix the, the, the game, you know, with upcoming patches. But again, like you said, there's they have a lot more to do than just fix a, fix a couple bugs. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, I think they, that they could bounce back from this. You know, hopefully not when it's too late. Because, I mean, there's games like no man's sky yeah i was gonna bring that where up, yeah. like when it launched it was a complete disaster but really now the state of the game it's better than it's even good. yeah like what they promised originally right right but like you know there's people who play it but it's not widely talked about now if it released in the state that it is now you know maybe with not as much content as it has now you know because i mean it took years of them adding stuff yeah you know, obviously it's, it's been out for what four or five years at this point Right, and it, it was so funny. I don't know if you've seen that that video. Um, it's it's pretty much like a meme on on No Man's Sky where um, it, it showed the E3 footage of it, and it had like the the Jurassic Park music. Okay. 
and then uh, you know showing like you know this amazing you know gameplay right, and right, footage right. of the, of uh, No Man's Sky, and then it cuts to what the game really like looks like, and it's like this weird like T-Rex looking thing with like donkey hooves <laughs> and then and then it's playing the it's playing the Jurassic Park song but with like a, like a kazoo or something like a harmonica oh, or like yeah. a kazoo and I, it sounds I think I did super see that. dissonant I think I did, I did. every time i see that it makes me laugh so much because it it sums it up perfectly right. um but you know hopefully you know later down the line we can you know talk a little bit more fondly on Cyberpunk, like we're, <laughs> on, like we're uh, able Cyberpunk. to with No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky would actually be a fun episode to do it at some point. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that would be great. Uh, Dakota and I actually have a handful that we want to uh, record. We we actually have our next like few set up. I know that him and I we want to go over Mandalorian season two. That'll most likely be our next episode. I know that we also want to crank out our spoiler version of the avatar which is probably something that we should have done a little bit ago and uh, i know that we want to go over cobra kai and i know that we had talked about doing a mulan you know anim- animation versus live action type thing you know comparison and contrast so those are some episodes to be looking forward to but you know what before you know i i think that we're getting towards that time where tw- like 22 minutes in as, as as of recording uh, i think that we're, it's about time for us to like hop into our kingdom hearts discussion but one more thing before we get into that i think that we should read some of our reviews i think you know we've been asking people to put reviews out there and people have been reviewing and i think that it's time for us to to recognize and you know to read some of those reviews and like and from both of us we really appreciate those reviews and it we just we love we love reading them dakota i don't know do do you do you have any ready that you want to read yeah i got a few here on uh on apple podcasts that i can find that are are really nice uh this one from uh laura mcd says uh it's it's titled "A, a total blast I'm so glad I stumbled across this fabulous new podcast. I'm fascinated by the geek culture, and this really gave me a look at the culture in a fun way. I had an absolute blast listening and found the host to be witty and engaging. This is a must listen. So that was very kind of you. Uh, That was a five-star review. Thank you so much. Uh, I got another one here from... It doesn't have a name, but the username is Izabu. It says, I absolutely enjoy listening to your podcast. Every single topic you guys talk about is really interesting. Woohoo! And then, you know, some clapping emojis, which uh, I appreciate. Uh, we have others. Yes, yeah, this, this one from Gabe says, great cast. I consider myself a geek and I love it. And it, it, there's there's other ones. So if, if you want to uh, get your review read on our show, just be sure to uh, leave a review either on yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts we'll we'll find your review and we'll you know read it on on, on one of our upcoming shows that'd be pretty fun you got any uh, on your end anthony yeah i'd like to read one from audible which i'd like to reiterate that it's an option that you can actually listen to the podcast on so if you have audible go check us out there and we have uh, uh there's the option to review on there we have a review from zach It's titled, Excellent Review of Things We Geek Over. Dakota and Anthony have a natural rapport with each other as they review films, 
TV shows, games, and everything else in geek culture. Whether you are here for their camaraderie or just for a specific topic, you will enjoy the info and opinions of this dynamic duo. Thank you for that glowing review, Zach. I know that you follow us on Twitter and we appreciate the the support and the support of everybody else that comes weekly and listens to us. The listens help out a lot. The reviews help out a lot. And like we said, you know, just the engagement, everything just it helps out a lot. And we wanted to set aside some time to read some of these reviews and, you know, just recognize that though that we are reaching some of you out there and we are glad that you are responding absolutely absolutely all right so with that being said uh again if you would like to leave a uh, response a review whatever and have us read it on the show we'd be glad to do so um and and yes check us out on audible i think that's actually like one of the best ways to listen to us it's just such an easy and clean way to uh, listen to all of our content and they actually show all of our updated thumbnails for each episode which i'm kind of disappointed that apple podcast doesn't do um they just i know i saw that that's weird it is what it is we'll we'll uh continue doing what we're doing because uh, we enjoy what we do but as of this point we should really get to talking about kingdom hearts how are we going to talk about this uh where do we even begin i mean I, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I genuinely mean it. This is, uh, for me, the game that made me love gaming. This is, uh, for me, the game that uh, kind of helped define who I am as a person. I, I spoke in a couple episodes back, I think, uh, about some of the things that kind of identified who I would be um, and how and defined ways that I would like interact with friends and uh, see friendship. And one of those things was Kingdom Hearts. I genuinely think that this is um, one of those formative stories for me that really shaped who I am. Um, and actually, believe it or not, Anthony, you were the one who introduced it to me. I think the same day that you introduced Jack and Daxter to me, you also introduced Kingdom Hearts to me. And both of those games are some of uh, my favorite ever. So again, Anthony, thank you for that. Uh, that was one of the best things for me to uh experience in my young young life so uh i'm I'm happy to talk about that finally yeah man uh jack and daxter is some high quality platforming that's like actually yeah one of my favorite platforming games and yeah kingdom hearts man i remember i remember seeing the commercials for it and it's insane because i mean final fantasy and disney is a crossover that you would never dream of I mean, there's so many people, I mean, for like the longest time, I mean, years ago before it happened, you know, there's people that, you know, they dreamed of, you know, Marvel and DC co- crossovers. Yeah. I mean, you know, even like Scooby-Doo would have crazy like crossovers and like, oh man, you know, what are they going to have this week? With the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, they have, oh, yeah, Harlem <laughs> Globetrotters, the Beatles, you know, they would have stuff like that, but never ever would you ever think that there would be Disney and Final Fantasy put together and I don't know if you agree but I feel like Sora the main character of the game is actually like a perfect blend of both like I mean he does kind of have he has like that Final Fantasy vibe and look to him but he has like this I don't like his personality also it, it like fits with Disney and it fits so well with Donald and Goofy and like the the Disney like 
just like how like the you know just the Disney World. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think that you're onto something. I've never thought about it that way, but he definitely does have. And I, I've always kind of categorized him as more of like a Final Fantasy type character in a Disney World. But this Sora, um, Sora, Riku, and Kairi are characters that are fresh for the game. They didn't exist in any IP before this. Sora particularly fits much more uh, in the center of what Disney stands for with its charm and the aesthetic and coolness of a Final Fantasy type series. So um, for, for those of you catching up, Kingdom Hearts is a game created by uh, Japanese creator Tetsuya Nomura for the company Square Enix. And Square Enix, or it was Square Soft back then. They eventually changed to Square Enix uh, after this game came out. But Tetsuya Nomura, he you know, reached out to Disney, and for whatever reason, Disney had no plans to use any of these characters in a video game, and decided it would be okay for this up-and-coming uh, video game creator to work on uh, incorporating different Disney worlds into his uh, Final Fantasy Disney World merging sort of thing. And, dude, it's it's one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the director, I mean, he was, he was perfect for this because he worked on several Final Fantasies. He worked on Chrono Trigger. So he, he's... He's had his hand or his he's had his mind in the Final Fantasy world for so long. I just think it's just it, it's amazing, you know, that they that they brought these two universes together. I mean, you know, like this past like week, when I really, really thought about it, I mean it is insane how they brought these two universes together. I would have never have thought in my life to put these two together. Yeah. Like I mean Disney, were you thinking Disney? You know Mickey Mouse. It's crazy. You know you think of Mickey Mouse. You know this ha- very happy-go-lucky Disney character, the face of Disney. You know when you think of Disney, one of the, that's one of, that's probably the first face you think of. And then in this series, he's a king. You know he's actually like pretty beast. You know he fights with um, you know a keyblade, which is their weapon of choice, which is another like whole crazy thing that they decided to use as a weapon. I know you know that I think that was part of the Disney thing. It's almost like they they also blended the idea of uh, Star Wars lightsabers into the world with these keys that come out of nowhere that are big enough to be wielded as weapons and uh, can cut through things. But it's more. Uh, thematically I guess resonant because of what the keys are also capable of doing you know reaching into someone's heart uh, opening doors to new worlds and going back to what you were saying about like how uh, Nomura the director had worked on other uh, Final Fantasy games and stuff and he'd worked in these these this like JRPG worlds for a long time I wonder if that actually had something to do with his idea of merging worlds. Because if anyone has ever played a Final Fantasy game and then jumped into another Final Fantasy game, they'll learn really quick that they're completely different. Final Fantasy 1 has nothing to do with Final Fantasy 2. Final Fantasy 2 is a completely different world, completely different characters. Same goes for Final Fantasy 3, 4, all the way to 15. It's it's 100% a new world that has similar aesthetics and similar uh, character types and similar like fantasy elements. 
that are unique to the Final Fantasy genre or Final Fantasy series. And I wonder if Nomura decided like one day, like, man, I wish I could just merge all or some of these worlds together, uh, some of these Final Fantasy worlds together to create a, a, a new thing. But I, I feel like he probably realized early on that while that would be cool, it would just be another Final Fantasy game. And uh, it would kind of just feel like a Final Fantasy game. So for whatever reason, he reached out to Disney and Disney said yes. So the basic premise of Kingdom Hearts is you start on this uh, island called Destiny Islands. And you have three children in early uh, preteen years. I think actually, uh, I think they're, the ages are like 12, 13 and 15 or something like that. I think Riku's the oldest. And, yeah, yeah, he is. And they're trying to build a raft because they're trying to go to another world. What another world is at that point in the story, we don't really understand. I don't think that they really understand either because I think if they had built the raft and uh, actually gone uh, on the ocean, I don't think they would have gotten off planet or off world. I think they just would have found another island, which is, you know, kind of fun and fine. But something goes wrong. Something is happening in the bigger scheme of the fabric of the worlds. There's a darkness that's been spreading. We can, you know, colloquially call it the heartless. You know, it's it's like a an army of individuals who've lost their hearts and they become monstrous entities that kind of just attack and are relentless. And they're the primary antagonist of the entirety of the game and of the series, really. But uh, these heartless are they they kind of look for people with strength to lead them and what's so great about disney is that there's a lot of really strong villain characters there's yeah. a lot of really strong characters like captain hook oogie boogie from nightmare before christmas uh you have maleficent maleficent which is like one of the, like the top ones yeah you got in that series you have hades you have what's the guy's name from tarzan clayton clayton Clayton, yeah. So you have these individuals who are great Disney bad guys that become corrupted by this darkness and they start leading like their own little armies of Heartless. And you as the protagonist, Sora, whose um, uh, your mission now is to find your friends Riku and Kairi who have been lost because of whatever darkness has been spreading throughout the galaxy. You have to face off against these villains and Dude, some, some of these levels that they created are so fun and so memorable, you know? I, going back yeah. this past week to play some of the game, it's such a great, great experience. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have my criticisms uh, now more as I've, you know, grown up and uh, had time to, like, really think about, like, what I like and what I don't like about the series. But as a kid who, you know, grew up on Disney movies, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. I know that this past week you you hopped into it a little bit, as did I. Uh, how far did you get, and how did it feel hopping back into that universe? I mean, I know that you recently played Kingdom Hearts three, and by recently, a year ago, last yeah. year, yeah, yeah. But how did it feel hopping back into the game that kickstarted this universe and your love of this series? First off, I didn't get far. I wish I would have played more, I wish I would have had more time to play more, but for whatever reason, I got to the second world after Destiny's Island, uh, Destiny Islands, um, Traverse Town, and I, that's, that's where I've left my latest save file. 
Now, I've played Kingdom Hearts through probably five or six times throughout the years. I, so I, I, yeah. I know the game through and through. Uh, I know where I have to go if I get stuck on something or whatever. Um, and the introduction to the game, I've probably played ten times that amount. <laughs> yeah, same. As far as the feeling that I got, well, let, let's let's just put it this way: I love uh, the HD remastered version of uh, yes. Kingdom Hearts. Um, it doesn't change the graphics at all, but it makes it so much more palatable for people playing who are used to modern day video games. And because I grew up playing these games as a kid, I see no difference. You know, it's like this is how I always imagined it when I was a kid, even though it was probably a lot more pixely when I was playing it back then. So it's a little crisper. Yeah. Like it looks cleaner. Absolutely. Though, I mean, the, the character models are just about the same. It looks a bit more cleaned up. Yeah. So it's been fun um, experiencing that. Again, this isn't the first time I've played the HD version either. But yeah, I, I really have been enjoying getting back into that. I will say, I'm sick of Destiny Islands. So am I. Oh my god. Man, gosh. that 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 really is a slog and I was I was racing <laughs> through it, my friend. I was racing through it and it still took me like maybe two hours, two, three hours, something like that. Um, you know, I had played a little bit of like the the games, but that music after a little while, like as a kid, the music was great. The music is like fun and it repeats itself. But as an adult, like and knowing these theme songs so well, uh, it, it somehow like gets louder and louder in my head. I'm like, all right, I gotta get out of this place. I gotta get to the next place. So that's that's one of those interesting things. Like, I know. Yeah, I that that intro. Or the introductory level, it's fine. It's okay. You know, I am um, maybe uh, you know a first playthrough or two would be fine. But I've played through that intro so many times, and I yeah, Destiny Islands. Yeah, I I can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Skip, skip yeah. through it, it as far as you can. Yeah, I I totally wish I could just like you know for for fans of the series, they should just give you the option to just like skip to Traverse Town because now, I know that there's, you know, cinematics and stuff added to it, which is okay. I mean, if you're new to the series and you want to play through it, play through it. But dude, that intro, oh my gosh. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the intro and the tutorial stage actually, because I think it's actually quite unique to gaming. We were talking about it off mic before where we both really appreciated the music video that opened uh, with Utada Hikaru. She made the song uh, Simple and Clean. Simple and Clean, yeah. I wanna... Yeah, I wanna I wanted to like start like singing the lyrics to it, but that's like the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's and it's a great song. First of all, it's it's a it's a fantastic song. And what's great about it is that she translated it into English for the Amer or for the English version of the game. And it's a really cool CGI intro to the game. It kinda gives you a, a glimpse of what you can expect from certain characters and stuff. But then it kinda drops you into this black scenery, you know, and then you're on this giant suspended platform that um has i think it's bell from beauty and the beast um in like stained glass 
all over the place. And it's yeah. actually like just from like a cinematic point of view for a tutorial to start in such a way is really beautiful. You know, like uh, cer- certain shots are just so well done that uh, I even today I'm like, this is just like brilliant stuff. I, it's poetic even. But uh, my favorite is when the staircases start like sliding up to the next platform. Uh, it's a clean looking tutorial stage. And it's all, you know, it's part of like a dream sequence that Sora has. And uh, eventually, um, you know, the entirety of the Destiny's Islands thing uh, that, that follows this dream sequence that Sora has is also part of the tutorial because it kind of ends in the same boss fight that you face off at the end of the original tutorial. I think it's necessary for new players to be able to understand the mechanics of the game well enough before you start uh, going into something that's almost, I don't want to say it's open world, but it's semi-open world. You know, there's a lot of uh, areas that you can play, go different directions in. There are certain locations in the game where you can either go to this world or you can go to that world and you can start picking and choosing your adventure a little bit. It's, It's really interesting. Um, that we both <laughs> are so like tired of Destiny Islands. Uh, do you think that it's a good uh, tutorial? I know you've played way more video games than I have over the years, but as far as tutorial stages go, how does this rank up? So that very first part that you were explaining about the stained glass, yeah, I like that part, but once you get past that part and you get to Destiny Islands, it mm-hmm. slows down a lot. It yeah, like it really does slow down a lot, and the story is trying to keep you engaged, but it it's having a hard time. Yeah. At at that point, it's like I, I guess like when you first play it, it's not as bad because you're like, man, you know what's going on? What this the world is new. Yeah. But once you've played it a little bit, you're like, okay, this part isn't as meaningful. Once you get to Traverse Town and you, that's you start the story meeting really some starts. of the gang, that's where the, yeah, exactly. You know where when you finally you get together with Donald and Goofy, and you know Destiny Island. It's it's fine. It's like part tutorial, but part like story, and it, it's just it's hard because it's like I love it, but I hate it. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I think we're just we're so used to it that we're kind of tired of it. I don't think that it's bad per se, but um, it's one of those things that like if we can uh, choose to revisit uh, very uh, little times in the future, we will do so. Um, <laughs> yeah. But let's go, but, let's go on world by world because uh, we, we've we've kind of lingered in Destiny Islands for a little bit. Um, right. Well, uh, well, but before we finish that, yeah. so if you're listening to this. And you haven't played Kingdom Hearts, don't let that stop you from playing. The series is worth it. It's worth checking out. Um, Dakota and I are talking about this because we've played this game dozens of times. I've played that intro so many times. So, I mean, it, it does get a little bit sickening. And you know what? Not only Kingdom Hearts isn't the only game that suffers that, there's other games that suffer, you know, like. The intro because you know there's that character development and it's like once you get past the character development and you start understanding a little bit about what the characters are uh which is kind of hard already you know well some of the characters uh like riku 
you know, then, then like, yeah, the, the story picks up once you, once you get to the next town. But yeah, so let's move on from Destiny Islands. I just wanted to say that, you know, yeah. if you, to people who haven't played it, the game is worth it. You know, we're not saying it's bad in, in Abs- any means. Absolutely. It's just we're yeah, tired. Absolutely. Even, even the Destiny Islands, um, you know, level, even though it's not the best level in the game, um, it's still, a fun adventure and it's it's charming in the sense that you're getting to learn who these characters are you're um, understanding their uh, the differences that they each share and uh, it, it helps motivate you to continue going further to get to know and to resolve certain issues that are brought up in the beginning in destiny islands so sora after this darkness envelops his world the the heartless envelop destiny islands he's whisked away into another world and he lands in Traverse Town. This is the first time where we start getting sprinklings of Disney characters. We have Mickey Mouse is missing, the King is missing, Donald and Goofy as well as Pluto are set out on a journey to uh, find the king, find uh, the person who has the key because King Mickey has you know given them that mission via letter. Uh, Eventually they cross paths with Sora whose ultimate goal is to find his wayward friends, Riku and Kairi. And it's it's kind of a weird relationship that they have at first. It's it's not instant friends. It's not something that, you know, is working from the get-go. And it takes them quite a while throughout the story to really build a friendship. Right, which is kind of like a natural thing. Yeah, I mean, you meet these new characters and to him, you know, he's... Um, they don't look like you know Riku and Kairi. You know they, they're not human beings. Yeah, they're these weird-looking <laughs> creatures. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're that walking. talk. Right, right. You know, there, there's a talking duck and a talking dog. Dog, human hybrid creature. Yeah. What, what is the difference <laughs> between Goofy and Pluto? Because Pluto's clearly a dog. <laughs> Goofy is clearly half dog. <laughs> the ability. At least. Yeah. The, um, the ability to walk uh, to walk on two legs and speak, really. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like that dynamic that they bring out between these two uh, characters. Uh, namely, it's Donald and Sora that are butting heads constantly throughout the game. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, in almost every other RPG that I've ever played, Whenever you meet a new character and they join your team, they're 100% on your team. They're 100% <laughs> on your quest. Yeah. They have no other life goals. They want to see what you have to do done. It's not the same for Kingdom Hearts. The The creators um, had the forethought to give each individual character their own goal. So Donald's entire plan is just to figure out how to get King Mickey back. That's Donald and Goofy's yeah. entire plan. And they're willing to use Sora, who has the key, to get their their job done. Meanwhile, Sora is 100% just looking for his friends. He doesn't really care about the missing king, but he'll help them get uh, <laughs> he'll he'll help them get along, um, just so that he can potentially get a ride off world to find his friends because they're clearly not in Traverse Town. Right, they needed each other. He needed. A way to get around. He is a, key, a keyblade a wielder. So yeah, at that point, it's more of like a yeah, they're acquaintances. And but it, it's so funny because Goofy 
he just wants to be your friend right away. Yeah, yeah. He's just Goofy like... just wants to be your friend right away. He he's very happy go lucky, super friendly. Donald on the other hand is just like he he's like everyone is suspect. Yeah. You're suspect, you're suspect. I don't know you. Yeah, you have to listen to me. Essentially, like he's the one that wants to take charge. Um he's very headstrong. Yeah. But you know what? It, that's almost like a realistic dynamic because there are people who like down you know gears down the line they're like they're like man remember when we first met like yeah man we butted heads we weren't friends like we we're actually enemies at first <laughs> and then we have like the and then like years down the line they have like the best like friendship like their relationship is so strong right. and so yeah that's kind of like you know that's donald and sora you know in that very beginning you know, they they just, you know, Sora not not so much. He's more. I feel like Sora is more really just reacting to to Donald rather than you know rather than like going at Donald. Donald's like kind of going at him, and like Sora's like kind of like <laughs> like he's like, oh, you want to get my face? I'm gonna get your face right, type thing. Yeah, you know, Donald is a very selfish character, and and <laughs> Sora has a lot of pride. You know, and so yeah, the yeah. two don't usually mix. But anyway, getting off of that a little bit, um, what is fun about their dynamic, their their little trio, or trinity as the game calls it in certain instances, Yeah, Sora is the strength of the party. He has the physical weapon, he has the keyblade, he's the one actually doing most of the hitting. Um, and you're obviously playing Sora. But you have two guys by your side doing different things. Donald is a mage or a wizard in the series, so he's always the one casting spells. He's, you know, usually the one healing you. He's usually doing this or that. And Goofy, <laughs> the one I usually replace with the other. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. When I say when I say Donald dies in every encounter, every Way boss fight, <laughs> Donald dies every time. Meanwhile, dude, he dies way too fast. Donald's there just to like catch the aggro of the boss so that you can get in hits which you know is supposed to be what goofy's supposed to do because he's the tank type character he's the one holding the yeah, shield he's the i one. love goofy and goofy is such a fun character to to have in your team because you know each character has I like their this. little like catchphrases that they say but yeah dude yes yes i was about to say that yes i love goofies so much they're so fun uh, and you know, sometimes you like just watch them like fighting in the background, and like Goofy's just like ham, like just he's like a juggernaut, like running and in through into crowds and stuff. It's awesome. I I, I know, yeah. Like I, I just love the sound effects. Like when he's getting hit, he's like wow, and, he, and then he's like, there's that one that he always he's like he's like Goyle, <laughs> and he's like, and it, dude, I I dude. Out of all of the, you know, like the NPC characters or like the party characters, Goofy is like by far the one that I, he's the one I always kept. Yeah. I always kept him. He always comes through. Yeah. I was like, Donald, I'm tired of you dying all the time. I need somebody who can live and you don't make the cut. <laughs> right. All right. So what we're talking about here is uh, after a certain point in the game, you actually get to choose uh, alternative party members. You can only have three at a time, uh, including yourself. So right. it's you, Goofy, or Donald. And then if you say you're at the Tarzan level, the deep jungle, 
you can switch out one of your characters, not Sora, obviously, but you can switch, you can swap out Goofy or Donald to play alongside Tarzan, which is always really fun because each of those characters yeah. adds a new dynamic to the bunch. And yeah, it's always Donald. You always have to swap Donald. He's just the one who's always dying. <laughs> Nobody has time for Nobody that. Nobody has, especially not in the deep jungle. I'm afraid not. Um, no, no, yeah, you're right. Let, and it, it, it's yeah. Let's try yeah. to keep it like chronological to the plot. I know like there's some levels that like you can go to uh, before other levels or whatever, but the next level that you would go to, the next world that you would visit is usually Wonderland yeah. with, uh, you know, Alice. And this is where you start to actually get into Disney worlds. And you're, you're seeing recreations of locations that you would see in the Disney animated films and Disney characters brought to life in a Kingdom Hearts setting. And this is where the game shines. Like, this is, this is where the brilliance of the game comes out because they use the idea of the Heartless as the big bad guys in the background. But in the foreground, you have kind of essentially the same stories going on that happened in the movies, but just slightly different. Just by adding the idea of the Heartless, all these movies and stuff start fitting together like pieces to a puzzle. The, the Alice in Wonderland story is a great one. It's a, it's a complicated and confusing level. Um, and even like that that's that's one of those levels that like i'm always a little bit confused about even after playing the game so many times i know you have to do like a little bit of like sleuthing yeah there's there's one there's one section where you have to you know do that's the puzzle level and there's a lot of like puzzle solving and finding things in that level that get right like proving alice's innocence because because the queen decided that alice was guilty of attempting uh, to remove her head or like kill her or whatever yeah, so, something along the lines. But of course, it was the and, heartless, you know. Yeah, so that. What did you think of the Wonderland level? So the Wonderland level, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I like Alice in Wonderland, like the movie. It's definitely you know kind of trippy, especially with like the Cheshire Cat. And in in that game, like you don't know if he's on your side or against you. Right. Yeah. Because he's like you know he's just like very neutral yeah like not with you but not against you so it was kind of weird i was like mm. it was a cool level it wasn't one of my favorites because it wasn't one of the ones that you could actually like swap out a character yeah i agree with that and i also i want to mention at this point that so far all the disney characters that have voice lines in the game and actually throughout the entirety of the game sound just like their movie counterparts you know and in yeah. some cases they use the actual actors to you know bring those characters back to life like i know the character who the guy who did winnie the pooh came back the guy who did donald and goofy and all them came back um so you have like these legacy actors returning to voice these characters and it just fits so well and so you have like characters like alice that sound exactly like she does in the movie and it, it just it brings the the level of uh, creativity, the, the level of immersion. It just pieces to, pieces together so well. So even though Alice in Wonderland isn't my favorite level, it's a little annoying at times to be honest. <laughs> yeah. the, the final boss is like, if if you don't hit him in the in the right way, you're done. It's it. 
I know, as a kid, fighting that boss was just... It was pretty annoying because he was like this really tall... It's like a paper mache guy, guy that you had to like... I was like, man... Or origami, I, rather. And like, as a kid, I was like, man, I gotta jump up on this table. And then, like, you understand a little bit more when you get older. But like, as a kid, you're like, dude, I don't... I'm not hurting this guy. And like, the best <laughs> way that I could find out to beat him was by jumping on a table and then jumping at him and then doing it over and over. And that got annoying. And Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah. So... <laughs> it, I mean, it was a cool... It was a cool world. Not my favorite, but, you know, I don't hate it. All right, so next up, we would go to the Olympus Coliseum. And this is an interesting one because um, this is a world that you wouldn't actually be able to really, really walk around in and enjoy uh, until Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 is, like, the first time you're actually, like, really able to walk around in this world and see the sights instead of just the Coliseum. But as far as... Um, kingdom hearts one goes this is almost like the tournament level you know like this is this is where you go to test your skill and throughout the game you return to this location and uh, sometimes you're paired up with hercules himself sometimes you're fighting against hercules in the tournament um, and you start to really see the first of the disney bad guys shows show up and that would be hades Hades is the first one that's like actively very much in league with the Heartless. Anthony, what did you yes. think of uh, the Olympus Coliseum level? I thought that one was pretty cool. Um, I, I liked the like the arena fighting and you know like the competition, and it was cool because this is where you see Cloud. Yes, Cloud for, you see for Cloud those of from you, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah, for those of you who don't realize or don't know anything about Final Fantasy, Cloud is probably the most popular protagonist in all of the Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy 7 is regarded by fans as the, the the top of the series for a number of reasons. It was it was just kind of the first to really like break the mold of what a Final Fantasy game could do and seeing a character like Cloud Strife come into the into the Kingdom Hearts game again it's one of those things that brings these two worlds together and it doesn't contradict each other it doesn't feel weird that you have this final fantasy character entering a tournament that hercules is in at the same time um and even before this in traverse town you have characters you have a lot of characters from final fantasy 8 that show up and before that in destiny islands you have characters from final fantasy 10 that are all over the place or i should i should say sprinkled in while you don't have to know anything about kingdom or you don't have to know anything about uh, Final Fantasy, it's kind of fun knowing that there are these little characters that have uh, a bigger impact on some of the other games in the Final Fantasy series in the background. But Cloud isn't the only one uh, in the Olympus Coliseum, Anthony, that shows up. Right, right. And, and it's, it's cool because Cloud is in the game for kind of like the same reasons as like all these other characters are in the game. You know something's going on something was taken from them right you know by the heartless and so he's there to pretty much reclaim it so in the coliseum level cloud is not the only one you you do fight against cloud in the coliseum uh he is pretty hard to fight especially as a kid yeah i think as a kid we... that was a hard fight you don't spend as much time as a kid grinding to level up because uh, you know We've played the game a number of times. We realize, all right, we're probably going to have to gain a few levels before we go to uh, the Colosseum or whatever, before we go to Tarzan's level or whatever. 
So you would just spend an extra, you know, couple hours in Destiny Islands, extra hours in Traverse Town, going from like uh, section to section, beating Heartless up. Because the game is a hack and slash game. For those of you who don't know, it's pretty much you have a keyblade. Right. You're, you're right. pressing it's an buttons. action RPG. Yeah, you're 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 pressing buttons to attack uh, enemies, and that, it's fun. It's it's especially for a kid game. But man, Cloud, when you first attack, or when you first start fighting Cloud. Uh, that's that's a really tough battle, man. He he was the last time I played a couple years ago before Kingdom Hearts three came out. I decided to start playing through the games again, and I remember playing against Cloud. And I mean, he was still a pretty tough opponent even as an adult. Yeah. I mean, I remember him being a lot harder as a kid. But he was still pretty tough. So the Coliseum level allows you to compete more and you go through like these different cup challenges and the final cup challenge has like this like final boss that you have to fight. And that final boss is Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. And boy is he hard to fight like i mean he i don't think i've ever kid been or on like the kid or I, yeah i was gonna say kid or adult that is a hard fight i'm trying to no i think i did beat him on like the easy mode but i've never gotten close on like the normal or hard mode and it's one of those like boss battles that's like optional because it's obviously ridiculously hard. Oh, you know what it was? I beat him. I beat him in Kingdom Hearts two. I never beat him in Kingdom Hearts one. Yeah, that. Yeah, he's at Kingdom Hearts two. I think I remember fighting him, and I think I remember beating him. But for some reason, I just the first one he was just so much harder. Yeah, yeah. That first one he was just such a hard boss. I think with with the second game they kind of give you an olive branch to, uh, so to speak, because they give you the ability to learn so many other. Uh, moves so much other like combos that you can use against these bosses but in the first game there's really not that many combos that you can you can do like uh, attack combinations but there's not like big epic combos that you can you know max out and stuff that you can in Kingdom Hearts 2 so it's a different gameplay uh, element in Kingdom Hearts 2 that kind of makes it a little easier I think but um, yeah, I, I personally love the Coliseum episode, and it's one of those, like we said, it's one of those uh, levels that you go back to throughout the game as more stuff is unlocked, or the story progresses enough for you to enter the next stage in the tournament. And yeah, you have characters like Phil, you have characters like, uh, we said Hades, and you have characters like Hercules that kind of uh, push the plot along. Even like some of the, the bad guys from the Hercules uh, movie, like Cerberus, show up, and that's that's one of the coolest fight. Uh, that's one of the coolest boss battles in the game, I think, is the Cerberus fight. Yeah, and then as a kid, that was a tough boss battle too. <laughs> games were harder back then. Do, like, don't you agree? Like, uh, for whatever reason, I, I feel like games have gotten easy. I think it's part that, and then part. You, you get a little bit more proficient as an adult. I think they make games a little bit more friendly. I mean, you go back to, you know, Super Mario and that, those games were so hard. They're brutal. Yeah, they're brutal. You know, they're very brutal. Yeah, they, so games are more forgiving nowadays. Definitely. But yeah, no, I remember just, it's, yeah, I don't know, just as a kid, those, those boss battles were so tough and like they just seem to get harder and harder as time for, you know, as you go through the game. All right, so the next uh, episode or the next world that we 
visit. Oh, and we should talk a little bit about the the gummy travel ship that we that you have to go through oh, to, yeah. to get through the different worlds. It's kind of a, a quirky, kind of silly way to travel through space uh, to like get to other worlds, but it kind of becomes like a charming little uh, activity, like. It's almost like a mini game. Yeah, it becomes a mini game that kind of breaks up the uh, the story a little bit between the different worlds, and you create you have the ability to create like your own ship, and uh, some some ships are faster, some ships have more guns, some ships have more shields, um, and it's kind of fun. But eventually, yeah, you get to the next world, which is Deep Jungle. Anthony, why don't you take this one? So Deep Jungle, this is where we come across Tarzan, and it pretty much follows through the story of the the movie a little bit but instead of you know a baby tarzan you come in where he's older yeah they go there there's heartless activity and i think that they were drawn there because of the darkness that was in clayton's heart yeah i think that's kind of uh, the case for a lot of the villains but um clayton is interesting in the sense that he isn't uh, part of like the big pantheon of evil bad guys that you see every now and then in like cutscenes. Like you have Maleficent in there, you have Oogie Boogie, you have Captain Hook and Hades and stuff like that. But Clayton isn't one of those characters that shows up in that big like pantheon of bad guys. Um, Clayton is just a, a guy who's got a lot of hatred in his heart. You know, he wants to he wants to hunt gorilla to sell their pelts. That's that was his goal in the movie. That's his goal in the game. But he gets corrupted by the Heartless, so his agenda changes a little bit. I, I don't actually know what his agenda changes to besides the fact that he's even more evil in the game. But yeah, it's it's kind, like I said, it's it's kind of like the movie, but they change it by injecting a little bit of Kingdom Hearts into it. Right. Yeah, they add uh, obviously the storyline of of the Heartless and Sora, Donald, Goofy. And this is where you finally get to start swapping out characters. Obviously, I'm swapping out Donald for Tarzan. <laughs> uh, Tarzan is really good to have. I mean, he's a powerhouse. Yeah. I felt like Tarzan was like a good mix of Goofy and Sora because, like, I felt like he had high defense, but he he was also like really good when it came to damage. Like, I mean, he would take Heartless out like left and right it was really fun i felt like that i don't like that level specifically had a lot of platforming to it there's a lot of jumping there's a lot of swinging on vines and treetops it's cool and something that we didn't really talk about is that the heartless change with each world right, yeah. they, they become themed so in deep jungle there's heartless in it that are uh, that are monkeys. They're primates, you know. They're they're like ape-like heartless, and so it's cool that the that the theme kind of changes with each with each world, and like you get, you know, different heartless get uh, introduced in each world. Yeah, I think that this is the first one that you that it starts theming them. Yeah, and I think that that's a good thing um, or an interesting thing. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool that they started adding different types of heartless and that there's heartless specific to those worlds and it kind of it kind of makes sense because early on in the game um you have donald and goofy kind of talking about how uh to keep the world order 
they need to kind of mask themselves depending on like customs of the world or whatever. The idea that the Heartless would have like the the conscious effort or make the conscious effort to uh, change like what they look like to blend in is kind of funny. But in like in terms of world building, it kind of does make sense a little bit. So so yeah, you have uh, you have monkey people in or monkey villains in the deep jungle, and you have uh, like Arabian guys with swords uh, who are heartless in Agrabah and stuff like that. Ghosts in Halloween Town. Yeah, you have a lot of like it, it and they get really creative with it. And sometimes like uh, certain worlds get like a mix of these different things. Like the Colosseum, it doesn't have any specific uh, heartless to it, but because you have a tournament type thing, each round has like different uh, bad guys or bad guy combinations. The the big bad in Deep Jungle is obviously Clayton. You have to beat him. He he becomes corrupted by the heartless. So you pretty much you beat him down. It, it's like a two-stage boss fight. You kind of beat down yeah. on Clayton, just him, and then once you beat him down, you have to fight this really big chameleon heartless. That that was a crazy boss battle. It doesn't make it doesn't even make any sense. But like this chameleon comes out <laughs> of the jungle, and like Clayton is on his back, and you have to like beat this invisible boss basically. Yeah, remember that? Oh my gosh. I remember, yeah, that, that, it's a fun map. Uh, Deep Jungle is one of the more fun ones. Um, but I think the next one is probably one of my favorites, and that's the Agrabah world. That's the one where Ooh, you visit yeah, that one's a good one. uh, characters like Aladdin, Genie, Jasmine, and Jafar. Okay, so Aladdin is one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. It was the movie that I think like I probably watched the most of the Disney movies besides Beauty and the Beast. And I think they really nailed down the heart of... Well, actually, let's take a step back. I think they've, they nailed the heart of each of the Disney movies that they uh, encounter really well. Um, and by heart, I mean like the, the overall premise, the, the gut-wrenching feeling that you would get from the movies is present in the game. Um, and the character dynamics, the character goals and stuff, what they do, what they want to do, what they hate, what they love, is all very present in each of the characters that they bring to the game. So when you have characters like Genie in Agrabah who just want to be free, yeah. You feel for that character, you understand it. And when he when, you know, Aladdin finally sets him free, it's one of those it, it's just as exhilarating of a moment in the game as it is in the movie. So, there's stuff like that that I really love about the game and it's again, it's it's um it's kind of like some of the best Disney classics put together uh, in like a, a, a constant narrative and it's really just one of the, the most brilliant things that I think I could have experienced as a kid. Well what, I mean what we were saying is that the heart of each of these Disney classics the heart of the story is there it just has like that Kingdom Hearts sprinkled into it to change it up a bit like there's there's enough of it to make it different but not enough to completely alter the story like there's like an overarching story that spans through all these worlds but each of these worlds have their own problems that are present in each of the films and that stuff gets changed a little bit because of the you know the the presence of the the heartless but that story is still there yeah. i mean that disney like you you're you're gonna very much 
recognize what's happening in each of these worlds because you're like, oh, I remember that in the movie. Yeah, I think this is also where we start to understand the villain's plot throughout the story. Yes. You start to realize what their end goal is. Essentially, they need the seven princesses of heart. Whatever that means uh, in terms of like Disney stuff, I don't really know. It, it's just they, they chose seven princesses um, from Disney's canon, as well as some other things. And they actually get some wrong in the sense that like the villains like think characters like Alice are princesses, but she's really not and stuff. So they've been capturing these characters, these uh, these female princesses of heart, to eventually unlock Kingdom Hearts. And their ultimate goal is to just, I guess, to take over Kingdom Hearts, you know, take over the, the entire universe, essentially. What, what would actually happen if Kingdom Hearts uh, was like taken over by the villains or whatever is really unknown. Uh, and the story gets so much more convoluted the more you play through the other games. But um, <laughs> you have in Agrabah, you have Jafar, uh, who's chasing after Jasmine. And obviously, you, you know, you have Aladdin who's like in love with Jasmine. She, he, he, wants, he wants to be with her, obviously. And in the movie, you have Jafar who's after Jasmine as well, but this is for a different reason. And like you said, it's that Kingdom Hearts sprinkled into it. So they add a layer of story and inject it into this world. And again, it just it I don't I don't want to say that this story makes the kingdom or makes the Disney movies any better, but it makes the game better, you know, because it's a new yeah. it's a new take on the same story. Right. It's not like they copied and pasted the story. They took the heart of the story, they put it into the game, and they added their own flavor, so it felt fresh. Yeah. My favorite part of that game, or, or that level, I think, was the Cave of Wonders, when you finally get into oh, the Cave yes. of Wonders, and that's that's just like a really, cr- uh, in terms of, you, you were talking about like platforming uh, wonders in Deep Jungle, I think the Cave of Wonders is one of those, like, it's just so good. It's so good. All right, let's not get uh, too bogged down for each world because we still got quite a few to go. Um, and we're already like an hour and a half into this recording. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, we we yeah, we can finish that up. So yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you go through the Cave of Wonders. At this point, are we looking for the the lamp in Cave of Wonders? I don't remember. I don't remember why we go in. Did we get suckered by Jafar, kind of like Aladdin did? I think they have genie, or they have genie's lamp. And they have to get it. I, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. But anyway, we're suckered into it. We have to go face off against Jafar. I think Jafar right, is actually yeah, yeah. one of the easier uh, villains to defeat because I think at that point you're used to like in the game. I think you're used to the grind of like what villains like how to defeat certain bigger bad guys. At least I, I thought that uh, Jafar was one of the easier villains to beat. Yeah, he he wasn't so bad and. Like, part of the fight, you have to, like, wail on Iago. <laughs> He's keeps flying around with the lamp, and you're hitting this yeah, parrot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. And then he turns... Uh, yeah. And then Jafar turns into, like, the... Turn, turns into, the genie, yeah. Jafar. The genie, just like the movie, yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. Uh, so next, we're gonna go to Monstro. Monstro is one of the more interesting. It's probably the most interesting of the the worlds that we visit in Kingdom Hearts. And yeah, it is kind of weird. Yeah. Because it's not yeah. really a world. It's just a place in space where this giant whale 
has swallowed up Pinocchio and his father Geppetto, um, and is flying around in space. Basically, it's it's a space whale that you have to enter, and once you're inside, it's like it's it's Pinocchio. You know, you you have to find Pinocchio. So it's at this point in the story that you're starting to see. Um, a different side of Riku. Uh, the whole the whole game, Sora's been looking for Riku and Kairi. And while we haven't seen anything of Kairi at this point in the story, we have no idea where she is, we realize that Riku is also looking for Kairi. But he's chosen a different path. While Sora has, um, you know, kind of bonded himself with the side of the light, uh, you know, he's got Goofy and Donald by his side, he's got the Keyblade like with him, Riku has sided with the villains in the story. And he's using the power of the Heartless to uh, kind of control other people and, like, you know, just kind of be a jerk. He uses Pinocchio as a puppet, which, you know, is fitting because Pinocchio is actually a puppet, to find more out about, uh, like, what he needs to find uh, to, to get Kairi back, basically. The whole thing with Monstro, and it's a really clever um, level, is Sora's, you know, trying to like chase after this puppet and he realizes that Riku's kind of been guiding him behind the scenes and it's kind of like a tragic moment in the story where you realize like Sora's been trying to help this kid for a long time but he's just completely lost it at this point he's lost the plot you feel bad for Sora because uh he's such an innocent character and you have Riku who I think kind of blames Sora for the inability for of him to find Kairi. It's it's a weird yeah. dynamic, and I, I don't I don't think I can like properly express what the dynamic is at this like you know just from this ex- encounter. But I really think Monstro, even though it's kind of an annoying level, I think it has some of the best music. I think it has some of the most interesting world building, and uh, in terms of story, I think it progresses the plot a lot further than most of the worlds do. And Riku, that Riku boss battle is pretty hard because he's a fast character. Yeah, he's he's kind of like uh, Cloud 2.0 at that point in the game. Yeah, like a Cloud 2.0 and then that Heartless that you have to fight to free Pinocchio, that like weird cage one. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That was so weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like you're, pre- you're fighting Heartless that are shaped after like body parts pretty much. Yeah. Like organs. Another interesting world, I'm going to save your favorite for the next one, Anthony. But before that, let's talk a little bit about Atlantica. I think this is one Mm -hmm. of the most interesting changes to the actual gameplay style in the game. Because this is one of the worlds that you go to and the theme changes so much that for you to blend in because you're you're a bipedal character you have to become half dolphin and (laughs) goofy becomes a big turtle and donald becomes like a squid thing and you actually are able to traverse not just on a flat two-dimensional plane but a three-dimensional plane because now you're able to swim and the up and down yeah you're, you're able to go up and down yeah it's it's a it's a different experience but man is it like kind of jarring when you first get there because you have to really learn quickly how to maneuver through this place and i think you actually lose some of the ability or maneuverability that you were able to 
use earlier in the game that doesn't carry over into this new form that you are able to use with the swimming. And I think that that's kind of a problem, but not a game-breaking problem. You know, I think it's still one of the, the funner episodes, funner levels that you get to play through. What do you think about that? It's kind of like an experimental world because at this point, the fighting and the movement has pretty much been the same up until this point. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, you're swimming, you're fighting, the dynamic changes, and it, it, it's interesting. Like, I don't hate it by any means. I don't hate it. And I actually think that um, the big, I mean, the big bad in this world is Ursula, obviously. I think that the boss battle against Ursula is one of the more interesting ones. It's kind of weird because she gets like humongous and you're like fighting this humongous Ursula. Yeah. It's so crazy and there's like so much going on, but it's so cool at the same time. What's great about uh, some of these different worlds and the dynamics that you uh, experience, uh, this is one of those that like... Um, you can switch out your character, kind of like with the Tarzan one. You can switch Donald out with <laughs> with Ariel. And, <laughs> Ariel, yeah. And same thing for the Agrabah level. You can switch Donald out for Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> Never goofy. <laughs> Never goofy. I don't see why you would do that. It's possible, but it's <laughs> not practical. Unless you want to lose over and over. Yeah. Uh, you, won't, you won't be able to finish the game properly if you switch Goofy out. <laughs> anyway... But you get little tidbits of, like, character information that are really fascinating. Uh, you know, you have, char you have like, little things like Ariel's Grotto, where she has all her uh, <laughs> material possessions from, like, the, the world above that have, like, sunk down. But one of those things has something to do with, like, a keyhole. And this is one of the first things, like, you start to... Or you've had keyholes in the past in the game already. But they really start incorporating Kingdom Hearts elements into these Disney worlds in ways that are unique to each um, world in a, and also make sense. What I love about this world, though, even though it's not my favorite, is that King Triton knows who Sora is, knows what Keyblades are, and it like wants them out, you know? Like, he doesn't want their trouble because he, he's afraid that they're going to bring... Um, the heartless to his world, even though he realizes that Sora is probably a good guy. So it's yeah, it's almost like a, yeah. a world building level that you're not really privileged to understanding. Why does he know about the Keyblades and all this? We don't really know, but it's just one of those things that like you have to take at face value because oh, clearly he knows what this is up. He he knows what's up with the worlds blinking out and stuff. So you have like OP characters like that that are really cool. Right. I'm I'm actually glad that you brought up the keyhole is that yeah that, that's actually a big thing in each world after you beat the main heartless like big boss. You know the big boss of of each world a keyhole appears and you pretty much you seal that world you like lock it. Yeah, so these keyholes, the Heartless have been getting through the doors to these worlds, and that's how they've been spreading their, essentially, their, their darkness, um, their Heartlessness, through each of the worlds, through the keyholes. So, by Sora using his Keyblade to lock the worlds, essentially, it basically shuts their, their, their power source off from the rest of... It stops them from allowing uh, them to destroy the worlds that they are trying to. So, yeah. 
That's a cool little feature. Anthony, I want you to talk about uh, our next worlds. Ooh, yes. So yeah, the, the next worlds is absolutely my favorite. It's Halloween Town. I like The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't have gotten this game as fast as I did if it weren't for Halloween Town because my dad also loves Halloween Town. And when he saw that crossover, because I remember showing it to him in it was a video game magazine. I was like, hey, look. Look at this game. It, it's it has uh, like Disney in it, and my dad's like, "Oh, it, it it has Halloween Town in it. Oh man, that's awesome. Let's get it." But it's really cool because you know you, you come into Halloween Town, and I mean obviously there's Jack Skellington. That's the character that you uh, replace Donna with <laughs> in, yep. in this world. I love this one because your outfits change in this one too. It's very like Halloween. Uh, like very like you know Halloween town like and something I like about this and you had mentioned about the music of the game is that the Halloween town theme is throughout the you know it's throughout the the level or throughout the world but it's like a it's a different variant of it mm -hmm. you know it's like a video game variant of it but you can tell it's like you know like you know it's halloween town yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's really cool it, and, and so that's like one of the things that i love that they do in this game it's really fun you know the heartless are themed um after ghosts you go to these iconic locations in in the game you you meet uh iconic characters you know sally oogie boogie obviously he's the big bad in that world and that was an interesting fight oogie boogie that was an <laughs> that interesting was, fight that was a weird one that was an yeah it was a weird fight it was interesting but i thought uh, but i thought the world was cool because I, I don't know there's just so much going on in it you climb up this like big tree and i mean you're just <laughs> there's so much going on in it but it's really cool and it's one it's definitely one of my favorites I agree with you. I think it's um, that's that's a movie I had not seen growing up. Uh, I think I saw it, you know, many years after the fact. But it had such an iconic uh, feel to it. That's another world where you change your theme and you're like, uh, you have the, the main trio of dudes uh, wearing like Halloween themed costumes or whatever. Yeah, and, that was awesome. And I, I really like that. I thought that was cool. This was the only world of the Disney stuff that I had no idea about any of the characters or anything in it. And still, I think it's one of those strongest uh, of, of them. And I think um, having watched the movie later in my life, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, I think that I can you know safely say they added to the characters in a way that didn't detract from the movie but gave them an extra layer even like the side characters like uh lock stock and barrel and sally i think or even like the doctor i think each of those characters they enhanced in a way and i think that's a really cool feature and like you said the music is just iconic you know you have the denny elfman theme that uh the composer for the kingdom hearts series yoko shimamura chose to keep you have uh certain themes that are sprinkled back and forth in like music wise from like some of the other worlds uh that yeah. that kind of come from the movies but i think that's the most striking and the one that sticks in your head the most right because it's like they actually take 
the theme of the movie and they add it to this world. Whereas they do a really good job in taking the setting of the world and shaping the music around it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, uh, another world that they do this really well in is uh, the Hundred Acre Wood. Yes. And yes, they do. It's such. If if there's one level that always makes me teary eyed, it's the nostalgia that I get for going to the Hundred Acre Wood. Throughout the game, you're collecting random things. You know, sometimes it's like you're you're, you're finding and you're uh, reuniting the 101 Dalmatians by like you know opening up little treasure chests and like boxes, whatever. You find <laughs> you find more of these uh, displaced Dalmatians all over the world, but sometimes you find little pages to a book. And when you go back to Traverse Town, you can find uh, Merlin and Merlin's like hut, and he has this special book called 100 Acre, or the 100 Acre Woods. And you put the pages back in there, and you start to unfold like this mini game sort of world uh, out of stories from like the the world of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and. Uh, Rabbit and Tigger and uh, Eeyore, all these characters that you you know and love, and the music in that is like the most. Uh, it's perfect, you know. It's it's the perfect. Yeah, it's so yeah. It's the Winnie Pooh theme. It's the Winnie the Pooh theme, and it's it's yeah. like one. If there's like a level that's 100% nostalgia, it's absolutely that. And what's what's kind of so heartbreaking about the way that level starts is that the first page that you open up, you find is pretty much just. Pooh Bear, I think, and maybe Piglet, but Sora walks up to Pooh, and and you know Pooh's like he's on a log. He's just like, oh, I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. Yeah, he does his like, ding, 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 yeah, ding. yeah, something like that. And Sora's like, what's wrong? And basically, he's he's talking about how he's lost all his friends, and you don't really understand what's going on at the time, but because all these pages have been displaced, his friends are missing from the book, from the story. And uh, eventually throughout the game, throughout Kingdom Hearts, you start to find and reunite him with other friends in the form of minigames and stuff like that. And it's, it's honestly, it's one of like my top three worlds in, King, in Kingdom Hearts 1. It, it, it's cute. It's, it's very heartwarming. Yeah, definitely. It's a heartwarming world. It's not meant to... There's no fighting in it or, or anything like that. Yeah, there's... Exactly. It's not meant to be some super fast at you know action-packed level it's just it's very charming yeah and you know, it's, it's a very it's, charming world it's it's cute it, it's it's really like nice to see uh winnie the pooh there it's crazy because it, it also makes you realize it's like even like somebody as innocent as winnie the pooh is being affected by what's going on yeah and i think you know on a, on a greater on a on a you know, if you're if you're really looking at the themes of the game as a whole, you can kind of like start to make war parallels. You know, like when you have something as big as like a world war, everyone's affected in one way or another. Yeah. Even innocent characters, like you said, Winnie the Pooh, um, are facing the same things that uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy are facing, where their friends, their close loved ones, are missing and they're looking for them. So it's it's just a really cool parallel that they develop throughout the game and and the hundred the hundred acre woods isn't even like a a level that you need to beat to finish the game yeah well i think you need you need to visit uh the hundred acre woods 
at least one time throughout the game to, yeah. to get to some of the other worlds. But the rest of it is totally optional. You don't have to continue going back and, and doing that. So it's one of those uh, it's one of those optional um, side quests that you can choose to do that just make the game so much better. I agree. All right, let's. Uh, we have we have one more world that's a Disney themed world before we get into like the the climax of the story. Anthony, you want to tell us a little bit about Neverland? Oh man, Neverland is another world that I absolutely love. This one adds another dynamic to it, and you get to change out Donald once again with. Peter Pan, of course, you're going to want to do that. Yes. That, that's our recommendation. It's really, really fun. I absolutely love this world. If I remember correctly, most of it is on Captain Hook's ship. Yeah. And then a bit of it is at the Tower of London. You're you're there to help Peter save... Uh, Wendy. Yeah, Wendy and, and, and her siblings. It's fun because it adds flight to the game. Yeah, it's kind of a similar dynamic to the swimming aspect but it's a little quicker if i remember right correctly. I don't know. it's yeah it feels a little better to me and i absolutely love this world mm -hmm. and there's actually something that you and i missed we all know that there's a lot of disney characters i mean you're not going to be able to possibly fit every world into something like kingdom hearts but they give you these options called summons Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you can summon characters like Simba. You can summon characters like Tinkerbell. You can summon characters like... Bambi. Genie. Bambi, right. So very, very minor characters and some, you know, kind of mid to, you know, major characters that didn't quite make the cut world-wise, but they still thought were important enough to incorporate into this universe. I thought that was important to add that, you know, and they all have their different effects. They all do different things. And so I think it's really cool because like when you have these summons, they have like these little cut scenes for what they do. And it's really cool when, when they do that. Yeah. And so back to Neverland, obviously you're fighting Captain Hook. It's really fun. You're like flying back and forth. You know, you obviously de defeat Captain Hook and so you go back to the Tower of London, that's where the actual lock for this world is, and you fight this like creature there. Was it, it's like some sort of like sprite, kind of reminded me of a Dementor. I think. I think that that's a that's one of the optional bosses later in the game. Is that is yeah, that optional? Boss? That's there. Okay. There are three like optional bosses at the end of the game after you beat it that you can go back and like do that. But th that guy in particular. That's another like Sephiroth type boss where it's like yeah that was no a hard boss. But going back to uh, like Captain Hook's ship before we lock the the key to this world, one of the hardest boss fights for me, like story wise, you know, that actually affected the story, is like Shadow Sora. Yeah, that was actually pretty hard. You know, like being able or fighting someone who's just kind of like a better computerized version of you is really you know it's kind of degrading you know like i thought i was good at this game but the computer tells me i'm not you know but um it's 
what I love about Neverland um, is that it's kind of the culmination of the story up to this point. You finally catch up with Riku. You finally figure out what happens with Kairi. And this kind of catapults you into the final world, which is Hollow Bastion. Before there's there's a there's another world after Hollow Bastion, but Hollow Bastion is really the the last of the the worlds that you can travel to before the end of the game. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on Hollow Bastion? Hollow Bastion, if my memory serves me correct, this is where you get to swap out Donald with Beast. Yes, because and yes, you want Beast. Oh, Beast! You really, really want Beast because I mean. He's a beast. Yeah, Beast is actually like Literally. a really OP character. And <laughs> he really what, what's yeah. what's cool about um, Beast in this level is he's on a similar quest to uh, some of the other characters uh, because Bell has been stolen from him. Yeah, and his world is is gone. He his world was blanked out. So he's now searching through Hollow Bastion, trying to find the seven princesses, seven princesses of heart. Even though he doesn't know it, he doesn't know what is going on behind the scenes with these villains. He just wants to get Bell back. And it's one of those things that like you have two characters with very different motives trying to do the same thing, and you swap. <laughs> you swap Donald out with Beast <laughs> and you add him to your party and it's just I think this is probably the best constructed uh, world if that makes any sense like there, it's just a very creative world it's it's very unique it's like one giant castle that you're going through and it feels very realistic the like it's it's a level above the world building like construction that you would see in like Traverse Town I think maybe Halloween Town is probably the most creative in terms of world building yeah I think Hollow Bastion is like the most solid uh, if that's if that makes any sense and obviously it's the culmination it's the climax of the game you're getting so much story elements uh, throughout this part of the game this part has really good music too it's funny as we're talking about these levels I'm starting to hear like the music in my head it's crazy you know like that's a level that i haven't played in like many years at this point but it the the music is so synonymous with uh these worlds that we're that we are talking about um i know man people for the longest time people didn't say video game you know they would say video games aren't art but they are in more ways than one oh yeah man absolutely so we are at the close of the game. We finally are, are seeing like the villain that's been orchestrating it all. It's kind of a convoluted mess, really, at the end. Um, <laughs> Ansem. Ansem, he's kind of like the, the genius bad guy that you've been hearing about this whole time. And he kind of unleashes Kingdom Hearts. But Sora knows, uh, you know, deep down that Kingdom Hearts is light for whatever reason. And um, light wins at the end of the day, but it leaves the game open with for a sequel. Yeah, you have uh, Riku kind of changes his ways. He teams up with Mickey, who's already in Kingdom Hearts for some reason. They have to close the door to Kingdom Hearts so that Sora can lock it. And these doors are massive, giant doors. So Riku and, and Mickey close the doors to Kingdom Hearts, and Sora locks it from the outside uh, locking them in and then that kind of 
locks in the, the, the premise for Kingdom Hearts 2, which is, you know, now Sora is out looking for Mickey and Riku. And it's, right. you know, going through this was really fun, Anthony. It, we're, we're literally going up to two hours on our recording at this point. Uh, so we should probably close it out. But this was a fun thing to talk about. Uh, I hope. Oh yeah. I hope you guys enjoy our discussion of Kingdom Hearts. Anthony, do you have any final thoughts on like Kingdom Hearts or like uh, the final bosses or Alabaster oh. or whatever? Ansem, not easy, because he's one of those bosses that has like, there's like first phase, second phase, third phase. I think there's actually seven and, phases to that fight. Oh man, and it's so hard because in certain like sequences, like I mean, you have to beat him. Or you have to start from the beginning, and some some of these fights, I mean, like you have to go in. Like as a kid, like you didn't know much about like what's going on. You know a little bit about magic. The older I got, like I understood using arrow as like a as like a shield and whatnot, and doing all these things and using potions and magic. But yeah, he he was absolutely just a monster of of a like actual boss that you have to fight like the hardest boss that you have to fight to complete the game yeah i i agree and it's it's one of those bosses that just like never ends because like you said like he has multiple phases i think um i did count them back in the day and i think there was like seven different versions of this guy that you had to defeat to finally beat the game um but when you finally do it's one of those just like i did it this is something yeah this is an accomplishment and i think that that's like the best feeling when you finally beat a video game that you are genuinely enjoying yeah man yeah i think that yeah. that's that's a yeah. really fun thing so uh kingdom hearts yeah man gets a thumbs up for me it's it's a beloved game of my childhood i i don't think that we could truly call ourselves geek without delving into that geeky part of our past yeah and then you know just really gushing about it because i mean it was really a big part of our past like i remember playing it at my place and i remember going to hang out with you and then watching you play it and yeah, yeah and it two was... of us trying to beat cerberus <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we're coming up with strategies like hey get on his back yeah look <laughs> when it's doing this with its head like jump on its hind leg and then you can get on its back and ride it and it you know it works <laughs> ride it and it hit his head as, as you're on his back anyway oh, anthony thank you so much for uh coming and doing this with me uh we'll be uh doing our next episode soon all about mandalorian season two it's going to be full spoilers so if you haven't caught up yet we highly recommend it and you've probably already been spoiled at this point because how have you been on the internet and not seen what's happening all righty Thank you for listening to our episode on Kingdom Hearts. We really enjoyed this one. We're really gushing about something that we enjoyed so much in our past. And we appreciate you guys reaching out to us on Twitter and engaging with us and following. You know, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, give us a follow there. Uh, we post our updates and our releases and we retweet different things. And our Twitter is at PGeekology. We also have Instagram where we upload our releases and different updates and things that stick out to us, different, any like big news that comes out. So give us a follow there at Project Ecology. And we're going to also have these on our show notes. And thank you for those who have reached out and reviewed us on 
the different places that you're listening to us that allow you that allows you to review and if you haven't reviewed us yet if your preferred platform allows you to we would greatly appreciate a great positive review we read them and we will read them on the show because that's how much we enjoy them yeah have a great rest of your year i'm not too sure if our next episode is going to be out before or after the year ends and how about you dakota do you have any remaining remarks well just based on like our release schedule i think this will be the last one for the year and then uh the mandalorian season two one will probably be the first one for next year but as far as final remarks uh i'm i'm just i'm happy that we finally got to talk about kingdom hearts uh, I love this game. I love the series as a whole, even though like the story gets so convoluted and it's not worth actually <laughs> breaking down the story as a whole. But each individual <laughs> game is such a fun experience. Uh, and I think we should eventually talk about maybe Kingdom Hearts 2 or so on and so forth, whatever, uh, when we get around to it. But anyway, Anthony, thanks for uh, joining me today. And everyone, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye.